Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. This week, we're bringing you something a little different, a live episode. Earlier this month, I had the pleasure of interviewing the artist known as Lorraine at JBL's flagship store in New York City. Lorraine is the musical persona of the singer and instrumentalist Taja Cheek. Her new album, Fatigue, has received rave reviews and landed her on a bunch of best new music lists. We knew we wanted to have Lorraine on the show after just one listen through her album. The work is a jumble of songs and sounds that walk the line between experimental and popular sounds. It zigzags, stopping and starting, sampling found sounds and pausing at snippets of fuzzy home recordings. I honestly can't remember the last time I listened to something so unsettling and so comforting at the same time. I really love how the non-linearity of the album mirrors the unpredictability of human emotion and the up and down nature of personal change. So here's my conversation with Lorraine. Welcome to the live recording of Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding, and tonight I'm joined by Lorraine, the musical project of Taja Cheek. Thanks, everybody. Taja, I want to start our conversation with the first song on your record. It's called Fly Die. like things are beginning very unsettled. What, what are we hearing? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, this came out of a practice that I've had for many years where I would just record songs pretty much every day, fragments of songs. And this just kind of came out of me one day. And when it was finally time to make a new record, it was one of the things that really just resonated with me because it came out pretty fully formed, which doesn't always happen. It starts and then immediately stops. We get silence. (laughs) We get sirens and then some voices. And as the track continues, we get total bombast. We get air horns all kinds of wild drumming. And if you'll allow me, when we fast forward to the end of this opening song, we get this very powerful question. What have you done? 
have you done? To change. It sounds to me like this album is like almost like a map for personal change. In this line, we even hear, what have you done to change? And the voice gets change and change and mutates. Can you describe what you're setting out to communicate in this album? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I kind of start with myself because I have authority over myself and I don't have authority over other people. So I'm thinking about the ways that I want to evolve as a person, things I don't like about myself, regrets that I have, relationships that I'm kind of looking back at. I'm like, I could have approached that differently, really kind of laying it all out for myself to figure out how to, yeah, just evolve as a person, to be a better person. And I had a hunch when I was making it that there are other people that might relate to that and that it might resonate with other people, but it always kind of starts with my myself. Something I feel when I'm looking at this question of change that we even hear on this first track is that it is super nonlinear. <laughs> It doesn't have a clear formal structure. You know, your beat is made from found sounds as opposed to a drum machine that other people might use. It's going to take us on a journey. Why don't we keep on listening and see where things take us? So I want to go to the next track, which is Find It. And it starts with this beat that sounds like it's made from vinyl warps and sounds of like banging on tables. it turns into this mantra that you say over and over. So you're saying, make a way out of no way. I find that your lyrics are very poetic, often evading specific meaning. I'm sure there's specific meanings for you, but as a listener, make a way out of no way, make a way out of no way, it just becomes this mantra. You describe in your bio about this record that the songs are approaching songness. What, what does that mean? I like to experiment with different stuff. I like to try things out and see where it gets me, and I don't always know. So I don't know. I really I revere songwriters, and I think it's such an important, beautiful craft. And I don't, I don't know if I'm making songs yet. I'm just kind of putting things together and seeing what happens at the end of it. So they're kind of like songs, but they're kind of not. <laughs> I want some freedom to do what I want to do. So, <laughs> Well, it's kind of what I like about the journey of this record. It's like there's some music that is like pop song, I love you, we're like we're just, it grabs you, you're in. And this is one where it's like I've now listened to this record probably two dozen times, and its meaning grows and I feel like I'm constantly, we're going to come back to this, but I feel like I'm constantly grabbing for, wait, what is actually happening here? And I, I feel rewarded by that process. Speaking of your process about making found recordings throughout your life, there's a very powerful one that happens at the end of this track. Maybe cueing back, reminding that we've had this mantra, make a way out of no way, trying to forge a path out of nothing. And we end up in this sound. Can you tell me the story of what we're hearing? I'll start by saying that I didn't expect for that 
to be on a record. It really just came out of a practice that I have where I compulsively record things because I have a horrible memory. And if I don't record things, I won't know what happened in my own life. So um, this was actually a recording from uh, a service for a family friend and the organist. I was just entranced by the organist. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I did what I always did. I just kind of recorded it just so I could remember. And I ended up listening to that recording for weeks on end every single day. And it ended up blossoming into something else. And I, you know, talked to family friends about it. And, um, you know, it ended up being a nice way to really uh, memorialize someone that was important to me. But it really just came out of just wanting to remember and wanting to be in that, in that moment of remembering for as long as I could. It provides, especially what the Reverend is saying there, is this amazing, beautiful contrast to this challenging mantra earlier on. And he says, all of my good days outweigh my bad days. There's this unbelievable beauty and hope in it. And the music is very powerful. I wanted to play that organ sound as well. Clearly, it's a, it's a powerful recording for you. Yeah, there's the recording from the service, and then I ended up playing over it with, with my friends um, to really kind of heighten that moment. Um, there's a lot of weird serendipity in my life, and someone had actually shown me this song, another recording of this song, either directly after or right before this, but that was kind of another sign where I'm like, okay, like, the universe is telling me to pay attention to this in this moment. Like, I got to really zero in here. Pulling back and just sort of thinking about the, the arc of this work, we started with these very disjointed, sort of confusing sounds, this prompt about change, a song about trying to find a way, giving hope through death. And the project, when we listen just to the lyrics, can sometimes seem very heavy. You say that your late mother was really good at finding joy and a bright side. And one of the things I hear in this record is a lot of joy and bright side in these interlude moments. Would you just describe the structure of these interludes? Yeah, I mean, they're really, the interludes happen as they were recorded for the most part. There is some manipulation, but. I try to really weave together some of the heavier moments with some of the lighter moments, and you don't really know what to expect. And then you're in them, and you're like, okay, I guess we're laughing now. And then, okay, I guess we're crying now. Which, I don't know, life is like that, right? Sometimes you don't really know what's about to happen, and then you're just there. I want to dance in a crowded room, but all the sounds I hear is boom, ba boom, boom, boom. So in between each song, there are these really wonderful, very two moments from your life that I'm sure have, again, very specific meaning that it's about you reconnecting to your memory. But as a listener, it definitely does have a constant sort of resetting kind of experience. And I have to say, by the way, this song needs to be remixed. It's like a golden house jam in that I little area right there. I totally agree. That's the, that's the plan. I hope long-term plan. <laughs> I just want to play one of my other favorite interludes that takes us between songs before we hear some other tracks. 
It almost sounds like you're practicing piano here. One sense, it feels like we're like traveling down into Oz and going to be introduced into another song. But I, I really enjoy this this experience of like I just feel like I am transferred into your studio via a tape machine that's a little bit broken. You trying out a little scale, being like, oh no, let me do it here. Let me put it in this other octave. I mean, that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. It's pretty raw though to just be like, I'm just going to show the process of the messiness of the thing that's going on in between the compositions. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of how I approach my music sometimes where, you know, the demos are pretty raw, but I feel a connection to it. I feel like there's an idea there and I want to pursue it. And I was, I don't know, it just felt like the right thing to do. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Following the opening of this record and these interludes, there's this trio of songs in the right smack in the middle that are really disorienting to me. Like musically, I they feel dizzy. If the song blame me. Guitars like almost drunk. The song Suck Teeth. The synthesizer feels like it's almost going out of tune. It is. <laughs> <laughs> we have the song Kill Self. The sounds are disorienting. Like the first time I went through this record, I'm like, ooh, that's a little. As I said, it's sort of the opposite of like pop song, which is just like, oh, the most pleasing in tune synthesizer, you hit the key and it just works. What is it about choosing these kinds of sounds that helps you evoke the message that you're trying to get across with personal change in this record? There's something about a feeling of wooziness that just feels right. Like there's so many levels of pitch modulation on all of those tracks, like levels on le- like each individual track and then the whole track at least once, maybe a couple times. I don't know, something about the non-directness of the relationship between the pitches. I feel like that kind of mirrors 
my interest in eligibility in some way or my interest in evading direct relationships between things. I don't know. I just, I, I always go for pitch modulation no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> There's ways in which this project is very clear in the statements it's trying to make. One really beautiful thing is that if you take all the song titles, they form a poem. The message of change is like pretty pronounced at the very beginning. And when we come back to the end, it's going to sort of wrap back all together. But you say that there's ways in which you kind of are trying to escape meaning. What's the purpose of choosing this sort of formlessness and wooziness? Well, I, I think it's important for people to be able to sort of insert themselves into the music. Like it is first and foremost for me, but I'm not like, I'm not narcissistic. I also want people, to, I want to connect with people. I want people to be able to see themselves in it. So I like to leave some openings for that. Also, a certain degree of eligibility is important for me just because I don't want everybody to know everything about my life. Like I'm putting a lot out there, but also I need something for myself. It feels important to me also just as a black woman, uh, musician, to set on my own terms how my music is being looked at, to not like fit neatly into any one box. It, you really kind of have to spend some time with it and look at the details to really understand what's, what's going on. So really all of those things all at once. I feel like I can hear some of that. And if we go back to that beat from, from Find It, I just want to play that again for a second because I think it, it, it accomplishes the, what you're talking about very effectively. Like if you just hear this, you got nothing. And then there's repetition. And then your voice. And so kind of like from nothing, we get something. Or from like, a lot of abstraction, we get something. Yeah, in the band, we all argue about where the one is. My one is not where anyone else's one is. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I find it very rare for there to be a record that has sounds that are disorienting and uncomfortable, but also inviting. And there's this healthy tension here. I mean, that's literally the goal. That's my hope. That's what I set out to do. <laughs> we're not like, I feel like listeners are, are in art, various art forms, like, people are really quick to say, I don't like that song. The song's just bad. It's like a like gut reaction. Whereas, like, you know, a, maybe like a film which is challenging, people are like, because we're a dominantly visual culture, will be like, oh, okay, well, it was trying to do this thing or like willing to sort of play with it. And so it's, I think it's always a challenging thing as a musician to acknowledge, I'm going to play you something that is like, out of tune intentionally and might make you feel a little bit sick because that is like the process of change is like also change is uncomfortable. But moving beyond the sounds which are uncomfortable, I want to listen to my favorite song on the record, which is Two-Face. So because your band can't agree on where the one is, um, and there, it, this is a, there's a lot happening in this track, do you just want to share, what are you singing right here? Uh, in that part, what am I singing? I, <laughs> I can't build no new nothing, no new life, no new nothing for me. 
I've gotten all, this is like a test of like, how well do I know my own lyrics? <laughs> this is not fair because we've all been trapped at home for a minute. You've performed out once. Maybe this means I need to practice. <laughs> I've gotten all of my bricks aligned, but mortar is escaping me. I can't yeah. build no new nothing, no new life, no new nothing from me. I've gotten all of my bricks aligned, but mortar is escaping me. It seems like there's this real contrast between the music, which feels really joyous, and the lyric, which is like still trying to struggle with change and be like, I got all the bricks. I don't know where to put them. Totally. I, I'm glad you picked up on that. That's kind of the whole crux of the song is that duality, that confusing juxtaposition between something that is supposed to be sunny and bright and the lyrics that aren't. And then, you know, the other section is a little bit more hopeful, but it sounds kind of spooky. And that's kind of the crux of the whole idea of the song is that. I'm glad you picked up on that. (laughs) I like it how it plays out in the music as well. I'm hearing nods to sort of Afro-Latin jazz styles of of percussion and especially in your bass playing. And there's ways in which that style of music is truly avoiding the home beat. These different instruments are like all of your different bricks and they're they're not necessarily fitting exactly together because in this style of music, the bass is usually anticipating the downbeat, the drums are everywhere. <laughs> like usually there's a cowbell which is there to help you, but there's no cowbell. Yeah, there's no guide. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> we're, we're, we're without a map, which is strange because when we come to the the end of the record, take two is the song. I feel like we've gone on a real journey from opening in a place of real disorientation, right? We got sirens, air horns. Sudden silences to this big question about change these disorienting songs that are out of pitch. With uh, Two-Face. We're approaching some of the joy that you suggest in the sample that you used. And then we get to take two at the end. Everything is completely slowed down. Things are much more consonant, but I'm not sure we're getting any answers. It's a very beautiful moment. It took me a number of lessons to pull out this. There's one phrase that takes a minute to come out. I don't mean to put you on the spot again and quiz you, but do you want to share this one? Yeah, I am not prepared for what is going to happen to me lately. I've been dreaming with eyes open, waiting for something. Yeah, and so, and what we just heard that first minute was just, I'm not prepared for what is going to happen to me. It takes a while. 
it feels we're left unsettled. Like if we're asking this question, like, how are you going to change? And we end with, I don't know what's going to happen to me. What's going on? Where, where, have we, where have we gone throughout this album? What does it say about change for you? Yeah, it's funny because that's kind of like the most sincere, straightforward part of the record, as you were saying. It's actually a re-envisioned version of Bat from my first record. The way that we play things live is usually very different from the records, and we like to just kind of like, I don't know, I don't care about the records when we're playing live. It's a totally different ball game. So we wanted to do something really special, and so it ended up being much like Take Two, and we were touring with that and playing playing it that way. When I was recording this this last record, we decided to record it. So. I don't know, there's something about it that feels very just earnest and, and straightforward, even though the lyrics are suggesting something else. But yeah, I don't know. The thing is, when you make a record about changing, you got to still do the work to change. <laughs> it's like the record and the thinking about it, like this is just sort of me doing research and thinking out loud, but like the work is still happening. I'm still figuring out what I'm doing and how I relate to people. Um, so I guess, yeah, that's kind of where I am, maybe. Tasha, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for going deep into this very personal album uh, and sharing everything with us. Can we all just uh, say thank you to Tasha? Thank you so much. <laughs> Switched on Pop is produced by Nate Sloan, Megan Lubin, and me, Charlie Harding. We're edited by Julia Myers, engineered by Brandon McFarland, social media by Abby Barr, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb, and our executive producers are Nishat Karwa and Hannah Rosen. We're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. I want to say thanks to JBL and the folks at Vox who helped make this live episode happen. Kathleen, JJ, Ode, Courtney, David, Paulina, Srinivas, Art, Jelani, and so many others. We couldn't have done this without your support, and we want to do more live shows in the future for sure. You can catch us at Switched on Pop on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. Love getting your feedback there. And we'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode featuring the artist Yola breaking down one of her favorite songs that she thinks is a modern classic, Childish Gambino's Redbone. Check it out. We'll see you next Tuesday. And until then, thanks for listening. Why do you run? Why does anyone I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.